0: Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Zion's Finance. This is Kenny Brown and I am joined by my brother, Matthew Scott. We are going to have an awesome episode today. It's just the two of us, the way... I always wanted it to be. Get rid of those other brothers, they suck. Just kidding, I love them. Um, But Matt and I are interesting kind of permutations of, I don't know how to describe it. Like we're very different, but very similar in lots of ways. And Matt and I have a lot of fun when we do our discussions. Matt and I, like, we talk about a lot of things. And we talk about a lot of things on a bunch of different angles. And when we talk about Shatterpoint, I always learn something. So this is gonna be fun. I've been looking forward to this episode for a while. Okay, so what we're gonna do in this episode is we just had our first premiere event and it was awesome. It was at Demolition Games in Salt Lake City and it was a great event. We had 10 people show up. We're going to be talking about that. And then what we're going to do is we're going to shift into discussing premier list building strategies. So that's just a preview of what we're going to be doing. Okay, so for this episode, for the introduction. First, November 11th, they're going to be having another turn or a, yeah, another tournament at Demolition Games. It will also be a premier format event. Justin Chavez is, I think, kind of running it or organizing for it. So if you missed the recent tournament, you should be checking this one out. Because I think he's going to try and make it either three or four rounds. It's just going to be another premier event. And it's going to be awesome. LVO, after, so now, I mean, really, LVO is the only big thing we've got to look forward to. And that is just going to be the night of, what, casual play, relaxed play. But we're still going to be generating terrain and bringing terrain for the event. So, that's something that we're working on. I will continue to work on confirming terrain in the coming months for those who are going to be bringing it. Housekeeping items, join the Slack. I'm probably almost done yelling at people to join the Slack, but if you haven't joined yet, you recalcitrant cuss, you should join. If you haven't joined yet, jump on in and let us know. Yeah, that's exactly right. Join the Slack and tell us why you haven't joined the Slack yet. Just kidding. I know that there are lots of, re- I know most people are on Discord. We are one of the weird lone holdouts on Slack with all the business people using it. It's just, we were asked about why
1: we use Slack and really it's just a historical accident. Yep. Yeah, we, we created the Slack mostly as a local playgroup coordinating thing back yep. really before Discord really got up and running.
0: Yes. I mean, Discord was just like a voice thing, right? Exactly. So Matt created the Slack and was like, hey, here's this thing. I didn't even... I wasn't even on Discord at the time. And so... That was why. We created the Slack. and I mean, Slack has, I think, a lot of advantages over Discord if you're a text-focused community. If you're not, you know, using it for audio, gaming, things like that. I think Slack is in a lot of ways superior to Discord, but, you know, different strokes. Anyway, join the Slack. We want to thank everyone who has joined. We've had a bunch join recently, and that has been awesome. We'd encourage you to rate and review the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you're listening on YouTube, please give it a thumbs up. Okay, so next thing. In the ShatterPoint general channel there are two Google forms that are pinned one is JK's form to fill out for the results of games we encourage you strongly as you are playing games random pickup games it doesn't matter to fill out the results for that so that we can continue to collect data and see how things are doing the other one though is for if you are a member of the slack if you will give me your address, I will be mailing you a beautiful double-sided Obi-Wan Dooku promo card. We busted them out at the turn this recent tournament, and they were awesome. Obi-Wan, I feel kind of bad because he did not... Well, actually, Obi-Wan saw a lot of play, but the Dooku saw a lot of play. Yes. So, it was, it was really good. So, if you want that promo, get on the Slack, go to the Shatterpoint General channel, check out that pinned um, post, fill out the form, give me your address. Okay, so our content creator shout out. Momentous Struggle had a great episode. They did uh, they were talking about preparation. They've got an ongoing, I guess a Premier League. It's a some kind of an ongoing format. And they did a lot of good discussion as to how that has been changing. Um, well, what what they've been doing what they've been doing in relation to this ongoing league. Actually, I don't think it is Premier, but they are preparing for Premier events. And it was just a it was a great episode. One good point that Aubrey brought up is that Vader Grievous is, has has he has noticed can be really negatively impacted by terrain, which is something we've thought about but haven't, I think, really vocalized. Right, Matt? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He also talked about how he's been moving away from Republic just because I think the thing is, is that when you play, if you start the game, Matt, you can I think you can confirm that this is the case. Yeah. If you're just playing the Republic and then you shift over to the Separatists, you're kind of blown away yeah. at like what they can do. And then I think Matt has been. Yeah, we're, which we'll be talking about, has been positioning back into thinking how to leverage the Republic, right? Yeah. But it just feels like you're cooking with Crisco once you start playing the Separatists, if you've yeah. been playing. So, Arby talked about that. It was awesome. Hello there. They did their tier episode, Ranking Supports. I, I So, I love Jesse and Amon. Like, they're awesome. There is a reason why. They're in the Slack. They're, they are in the Slack. That's right. Um, they're, they're so awesome. And I agree. I'd agree. I agreed with almost... Eight, all of what they said. I'll say I agreed with 80% of what they said. But there are some real differences in terms of where, I think it's a matter of play experience, what we have played with versus what we have played against and in terms of where we're ranking things. I will just tell you, you should check it out because they, they have a really great episode. Okay, so, and then the last one is that Jedi's Order, they did um, some more thoughts on the mini-stravaganza. I feel like we've kind of beaten that not beaten in. Uh, I, we've talked about it a lot on the slack and so you know for more thoughts th- there's also there are other content creators I think a lot of them are mostly mixed between MCP and Shatterpoint who are also kind of talking about the mini stravaganza I feel like for us we're We've kind of gone through that and we're just waiting for the next thing But anyway Jedi's order did more on the mini stravaganza so last shout out before we get into things Josh wait He is a local from Utah. He has an awesome shop called Heavyweight Games. He's on the Slack. He does custom lots of things. He does a lot of, I think it's mostly for RPG stuff but he has these really cool unit boards that I was able to get from him. He was one who made our tokens for the tournament that we just had. He's a really cool, really cool guy. You should reach out to him if you're interested in custom projects. And then the last is Imperial Terrain, who does not sponsor this podcast, but John from Imperial Terrain is gonna be bringing sets out to LVO. He's an awesome guy, and I will say that he released this. He has this design called Fractured City for Shatterpoint, which is just so cool. Tons of great designs. Okay, so let's get to the main topic we're gonna do a tournament recap so this was the recent tournament that we played this last weekend at demolition games we're not going to do a play-by-play which is when we were doing IA the IA podcast that was something we like to do a lot because if I like with IA because of how Positioning worked and placement worked. It was a lot easier to visualize where things were and what things were doing. We and that does doesn't translate as well to Shatterpoint. So what we're going to do. We're, so that's not what we're going to be doing. What we more want to talk about is the field and things, how we felt about things, how how matchups went. Just so everyone knows, we had ten players, three rounds, no cut. It was a casual competitive event. So you know, we it's not like a store champ or anything like that, but it was. And we, we pl- wanted it to be accessible to newer players because this was all of our, I think, no, not all of ours, but it was most of ours first premiere event. So we wanted it to be really casual, beginner friendly, and it was. We had a lot of, most, I think most of the players there had never played in a premiere event before. So we also, there was a Legion event going on the same day in Utah County, which is south of where we were playing. And so it was awesome that we were able to get 10 players considering yeah. that because I think there's a lot of overlap in the community. Okay, so just some quick highlights before Matt goes into Matt does his discussion. So Duku was the most played primary and the most listed. He was most he was in eleven, he was in eleven games and six lists. He did really well into everything that wasn't Seps. So I mean, the, most of his losses were to mirror matches, and the although it was interesting, he, the only match that he didn't win was versus Padme. It was only one game, and that's also a big thing with all of this is that you know we were dealing on a very small sample size but i think yep. a lot of this wasn't very surprising and dooku cad was a super popular pairing that won all of the games it played that weren't mirrors which i thought was really, really wild yeah it was everywhere i mean dooku cad i think at least three or four players were running it mm-hmm. and it did really really well so maul and cad were the second most taken primaries in, in terms of lists, they were in five lists. But Cad was the second most played. He was in nine games. So Cad, Cad Dooku was everywhere. And that was it was really fun. Mm-hmm. Republic with Obi-Wan, Mace, and Padme all were in four lists. And then they had between five and seven plays. Obi-Wan actually did really well. And had he had never played a mirror, which shocked me. Mm-hmm. He didn't do so, so great against Dooku, which doesn't really surprise yeah. anybody. Obi-Wan and Padme and Obi-Wan Mace did really well. With Obi-Mace going three for four. Grievous was in four lists and only played five times. That surprised me, but here's what was most surprising. Vader was only in one list. Steven ran him with Padme. And so, I think that this was... Mo- We've talked about this a lot on the Slack, so I'm not going to belabor this point. But I think this was a combination of not quite not quite knowing how Vader Grievous worked in a premiere format. Also, a lot of us, and by a lot of us, I mean most of us, were teching in some way against Vader Grievous. Yep. So, I think no one really just wanted to be the one to run run the list. Yep. And then last was that the Inquisitor was only in one list. There was a few that were only ran, run once, but the Inquisitor was in one list by Dallin who is awesome new to the slack and well the Inquisitor didn't win any games I don't know if we're going to talk about this but I was actually pretty impressed with how he did I've played against him before but Dallin I think really knew how to optimize him and he felt really strong
1: yeah yeah I think he's a very reasonable unit Uh, my hot take on Inquisitor Grand Inquisitor is that he's just kind of like a less good version of Grievous, both in terms of what's on his card and his synergies. Yeah. And so I think he gets just priced out or boxed out by Grievous a lot. Yeah. However, I do think there's potential for him in a premier list exactly to pair with Vader because he doesn't have a lot of overlap with what Grievous wants to run yeah and so I think I think there are more options there than larger community has considered I think that's
0: right I mean it is just absolutely the case that I haven't considered all of the things that he's doing and I think the thing is about in, about the Inquisitor is that I think Inquisitor and I don't think fifth brother I think Reva and fourth sister who spoiler alert we don't think are that great yep. and so so that that's kind of like my natural thought mm-hmm. and and whereas Grievous is running with Jango or Kalani or Kraken right he's got just like these super high-powered secondaries and supports that are going magna with guards and, and, yeah and this little unit called magna guards and so part of it though is that I mean Grievous is just coming with a really great package whereas the Inquisitor feels like a little bit more you're not quite sure what to do with him but I think you're right in a premiere format he feels really good so Matt Tell us what you ran. Tell us how it felt. Let's talk about it.
1: Yeah, so I really wanted to... I mean, I have been the you know, dedicated Republic shill in our local playgroup, and yep. I've been really trying to figure out how to make them work. So my, I really wanted to go heavy into Republic for my total premiere list. So my squads were Mace, Pawns, Arf Troopers, just the Mace box, yep. Kenobi, Rex, and Clone Commandos. The Naboo box, Padme, Sabe Handmaidens. Yep. And then Maul, Bo Katan, and Clan Cree's Mandalorians. Okay. So my basic thought process there is the Mace Kenobi list is my favorite you know strike team to play in the game. Yes. I really like them. I I don't think that they are the strongest, but I enjoy how they play, and I think that they are better on the table than than a lot of the larger community have given them credit for, especially in our local scene.
0: Yeah, it's, and let's just say, I, I will say, I will go to the mat defending the fact that Obi-Wan and Mace are just incredible primaries.
1: They are phenomenal. They Where the list tends to struggle is that their supports tend to not be as versatile of units as, yes. the, as the rest of the list, yep. and so you can have some awkward activations. Yes. And that's just kind of, that is the theme of the, the Republic, right? My thought with Naboo and with the Maul Mandos list was really trying to think about how do I feel about how do I deal with Vader yes. and especially Vader Grievous. Yes, I actually think that the Mace Kenobi list does okay into Vader Grievous because yeah. it is just not interested in opting into the kind of game that Vader Grievous wins.
0: Yeah, because Vader Grievous is like, hey, we're coming to the midline. Are you are you are you going to be coming up for us and Maul or Mace? Obi's
1: like, no. Nope. <laughs> no, I will, I will shoot you from the back <laughs> yes, line. exactly. And we'll, we'll get there eventually, yeah. but it will take us longer. And right? also,
0: Mace and Obi-Wan, I mean, if we we're going to talk about primaries that can, by themselves, you know, at least do a little bit of scrumming, they are very defensive units, right? And so... Yeah. Exactly. If we're, if we're going to have the fight, they can do it.
1: I also think the Padme box just in addition to juicing up your damage, it also gives you some options in terms of contesting points while you're still wounded. Yes, which is great. It gives you some vertical threat with the exposed flank on Sabe and Handmaidens. Yep. So, really, the main consideration for the Naboo box was if I need some vertical threat, that's where they slot in. Yep. They go great with either Mace or Kenobi. Maul Mando similarly really solid vertical threat list. Maul's a phenomenal control piece. And we have really, really warmed up on the Clan Cree's Mandalorians oh, locally. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. that the general consensus in the community has been that the Super Commandos are better. And I think that in some ways they are. The Super Commandos are better at doing the things that Shatterpoint naturally wants you to do, which is deal damage yep. and stand on points. Yep. <laughs> However, the Super Commandos are not as good at that as any Separatist support. That's true. Right? Very true. And so in the head to head matchup they tend to get pushed off and in that context you really would rather have clan Crees with their choice of pin into shove yep. or shove into shove yep. on their on their attack tree yep also they're great into vader because they they attack from range, yep. they can pin Vader. Yep. If if Vader has gotten to about eight damage, they can very very consistently close Vader out and yep. pin him from range so that he can't dash and melee attack back. Yes, it's so. And good. Like they are, like they are really really phenomenal in that specific matchup.
0: Yes, I I will say that Clan Crees. I've been playing a lot of Clan crease over yeah. the past few weeks, and I have just been completely sold in terms of. I don't so. Uh, hello there. They ranked Clan Crease as like a as a solid B. Hmm. And I think that that's fine. Like, I am fine with Clan Crease being a, a B. I agree. Like, maybe top of B. I mean, I might say, like, bottom of A. And the reason why is because they, they are so flexible in terms of, if you're like, I need to take this point and this point by shoving these people yeah. and jumping all these, you know, jumping around, they can do it. Now, they are extremely
1: fragile yep. and everything
0: like that, but I have... I think, like, they are one of those units that if you sleep on them, you will be really surprised at what they can do. They
1: have an incredibly high-impact activation. Yes. And then they struggle to project threat when they're not active.
0: Yes. uh, As opposed
1: to a lot of other units that are the opposite of that, right? great point. Um, Anyway, so I really like a lot about what Republic does. I think that... My my general summary of how they felt to play. I went one and two on the day. Yeah. My general summary of how they feel is not great. Yes. But not as bad as people think. Okay. I don't think it's a power issue. Although I do think they're a little bit under the curve, just kind of across the board. Yes. Like you could probably add a little bit to every single republic secondary and support, and it would feel fine. Yes. But I think the main problems are, like, they have to pay a lot of taxes, what, in order to approach a place of power parity. Yeah. Whether that's paying force for defensive maneuver, yep. whether that's paying to reserve cards to get the right activation sequencing. Which I,
0: would that's something I want to talk about in a second, because I think that is the biggest problem. Absolutely. Me,
1: yeah. And getting all their positioning right, so you can get your coordinated fires off and your other, you know, range triggering effects. Yeah. And so you, there are a lot of rakes to step on. Yeah. That can really lead them into problems, or that can cause your game to fall apart. Yeah. They're much more at the mercy of a bad break in luck, yeah. compared to something like Separatists, where like every activation is solid and flexible yep. and force point efficient.
0: Yes, I right? mean, so like with this, I have thought about this because I this is something I have a I have not played nearly as much Republic as Matt has. I've probably played Republic the second largest, which is probably half of your games. You have because you have just been like yeah. soloing that out. But, so having played Republic, and now having played against Republic, I think that it is really interesting to think about how fragile their activation sequencing Mm -hmm. is, because, so for Separatists, first activation, I think, I think your worst activation, if you're running, let's say you're running Dooku Grievous, your worst activation is Magna Guards, Mm -hmm. because they're not able to follow, they're not able to, you know, they're not going to be up on the midline in order to be able to smack people, and so... That's like your worst activation. And still, it's a totally fine activation, yeah. right? Whereas everybody else, Kalani, Kraken, Dooku, Grievous, everybody else you are totally fine to go with in Republic, is like, oh, you pull Arfs? Okay, now what? Do you, are you going to spend a force to reserve them? Okay, now you pull your Republic Commandos, right? And exactly. so it's like, it just feels bad.
1: Yeah, so there's just a lot of room to, if you slightly miss a breakpoint, or if you have a slight turn of bad luck, it can really spiral out of control really yeah, fast. yeah. The other thing that's really interesting, and we'll talk about this more in our general strategy for premier list building, the Galactic Republic tag I think is the most ubiquitous, the most common tag out there. They have the most units with that keyword. Okay. I However, did realize that. Yeah, especially with the Plo Koon box coming down the pipeline, right? So, like, you would think that they are the best positioned keyword to build an entire premier list around. Yeah. But the reality is that there's just not quite enough meat there to go all the way. I was trying really hard to, how do I run full Galactic Republic? Yeah. And I eventually just said, I can do three squads. I cannot do four. I'm going to bring them all Mandos. Yeah. Because Lumi is just a little bit tricky. Yeah. And... Vader and Mace and Anakin are all very solid, very great primaries. Yeah. But you only have one three-cost uh, support unit. <laughs> yeah. And so you have to pick one of them. Yeah. I mean, you have the 501st, which are your no, I, one, I, But you really only have one. one. <laughs> That's exactly right? When you said one, I was like, oh, I yeah. know what you mean. It's <laughs> like, I mean, like, you definitely cannot run Mace pawns 501st. No. Because... You're just playing Mace. pawns is fine at his cost. Yeah. But, he, but he's kind of a weak activation, and so you just can't afford to stack the first there. Yeah,
0: because then you've got, like... So the thing is, we, we talk about this. This is... I know this is kind of ubiquitous in terms yeah. of, like, the Shatterpoint community, is we talk about the concept of heat, deck heat, like how much heat you have in your deck, and how it works with... Sh- separatists is that their heat is much more evenly distributed Absolutely. right and so it's like oh well you've just got a lot of even heat there whereas the republic is like their heat is so concentrated so it's like you you've played your shatter point and you've played your mace and then your opponent's like okay now you're not going to wound any of my things right so exactly. i can just kind of run the table whereas that is never. Mace is going to one-shot people on his activations, but he is your only person who's going to do that, except Obi-Wan, you know, if he's got a 9 health figure, and he's rolling the nuts.
1: So, So, like, I think Mace Kenobi is a really solid strike team. Yes. uh, If you get the reps in. Yeah. If you don't have the reps in, you are going to kind of fall flat on your face, and you just have have to put the time in to learn how the list works, and you have to understand how the matchups work.
0: What do you think is the biggest mistake that newer players or players who are not experienced will make when they are playing may so be like what's like the the things that you were learning that you're like oh this is something i was just doing wrong
1: so i think the biggest thing is that the the galactic republic game plan is they are trying to win on a value attrition kind of a game yeah especially with coordinated fire that's probably the the best ability to highlight there because yes. it is free yes. if you're not wounded yep and it just is every time you attack if yep. you're positioned right you're slowly stacking up extra value yep the, Great point. The pro- And so you're trying to win a value game, yep. and that often means that you have to be willing to accept a deficit in scoring early. Yes. And the base rules of Shatterpoint do not encourage you to do that. No. The base rules of Shatterpoint, you're scoring every turn, so they really encourage you to rush those clone troopers out yep. to fight for the center line. And if you go toe-to-toe in that scrum, you just are going to get stomped by anything else in the game. Yep
0: there's just like no you just do not have the body and durability necessary yep. to win the scrum.
1: And so the the strategy that I have found that works with Galactic Republic is you're committing your whole list hard to one side of the table. Okay. In the first struggle you are you are trying to make sure that you have two objectives, including the one on your back line, usually yep. the one on your back line, and then one of the two side objectives yep. that you are fighting hard for, Yes, and then you are projecting damage and threat towards the center objective. Okay. And the goal is that you're trying to build up enough of an attrition advantage yeah. that you can then push on to that point, yep. and either even win the first struggle that way, yep. or if you can't then you're still sort of playing slow playing the scoring in Struggle 2. Yeah. You're leveraging that tempo scoring advantage in Struggle 2 to just build up enough tempo yeah. that you've aced out, you've removed, wounded enough units from your opponent that you can really clear the board on Struggle 3.
0: Yeah, because the thing is, is what you're doing on Struggle 2 is you're not immediately closing out. You're continuing mm-hmm. to work with, you're like, okay... If I'm going to score first, and as long as I'm not, you know, behind in struggle two, which in that case you're just going to lose. Yeah. But if you're if you're able to, you know, keep it keep up the heat, then you're not trying to close out struggle two. You're trying to just put maximum damage on, so that when struggle three happens, they cannot. Your opponent is not just guaranteed to get four points, right? Exactly. It's like no, you've, your figures are wounded, they're pinned, and you know, I've I've put enough damage on you that now this attrition advantage is snowballing, right? Exactly. In
1: my favor. I had a a practice game a week or two ago where i was playing against vader grievous yes and i attacked into vader yeah and my i I believe it was with a clan Cree support and so my attack spiked yeah and i looked at it and i was like it's struggle two i could wound vader with this attack i have rolled the dice yeah and if i do that i will immediately win struggle two it is my second activation of struggle two yeah and i sort of said i'm not ready for struggle three yet yeah and vader's pinned yeah and i want to keep him like, he's reserved. So yeah. I want to keep him pinned and oh, yeah. easy to wound yeah. as soon as he acts. Yep. And so I stopped on my tree early yep. to sort of keep him out of circulation so that I could, you know, tee up for the future. Yeah. And there's a lot of considerations like that that you only really learn if you're putting the reps in. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, it still might fall apart.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just the case that, again, the the, the, the gap between Republican seps is not it's not... Unwinnable, it's just disadvantaged, right? Exactly. And so, that does so. So, good players, this is something that I hear all the time where they're like, Good players are winning with Republic, mm-hmm. or players are winning with Republic. Good players obviously can win with these lists, especially against inexperienced players, but also just generally, right? Like, that's just how these dice games work. But it is the case, like, we're just talking about this in terms of advantage. The other thing is, is that I think with Struggle One, it is you underestimate if you are playing a not beat down list, a more yeah. control focused list you do not realize if you are able to walk down two points and just keep not swinging the momentum all the way back to your side or to the middle just like to the point just before you know obviously your opponent like just before the midpoint on your opponent's side that momentum adds up your that's yep. an effectively a wound every time right and like exactly. that's how control that's how control this mm-hmm. work that's how Ahsoka Dooku works right you're not you are not. I mean the, Ahsoka Dooku specifically, Dooku, Chenko, and Grievous, or uh, Magnus, can do a lot of damage, but that's not how you're winning. You're winning by controlling and then pushing through, right? Kind of like what you're talking
1: about. Yeah, and Republic really is just walking this knife's edge in a couple different ways. Like, they're walking a knife edge in terms of, I want to be close enough to the front that I can deal damage, I can project threat, I can be stacking up attrition advantages. Yep. They're also walking a knife edge of, I am trying to slow down the pace of scoring so that... I might not. I probably won't win struggle one. Yeah, and I want to get as close to losing struggle two as possible without actually losing. (laughs) Yeah, so that I can build up that advantage for struggle three. Yeah, and sometimes it falls apart, and you you tip a little bit too far, and you lose struggle two. Yeah, and sometimes you don't build up enough of an advantage, and so it it is a very hard finesseless kind of to play yeah i'm not i i'm not confident that i'm really there yet yeah i mean well
0: like that's one of those things that it's it'll just be interesting to play that more exactly it it will be and we've talked about this lumi right not necessarily playing Mm -hmm. i actually think it's funny that we don't think the best place for lumi is necessarily with the republic but like with these other synergies and things like that there's there's a lot to explore and we would never say You know, we have played a lot of games, Mm -hmm. but not really a lot of games in terms of the cosmic sense of the game. right? The
1: space in Republic that I really have not explored yet, just because I've been dragging my feet on it, is Vader's spot within the faction. Because he does have that keyword. Yeah, for sure. And after this last event, that's the next place I'm going. Yeah, I think that there's probably a premier list that involves building galactic republic around you know vader rex arfs as a core list yes which unfortunately it boxes out mace who i love yes but i think you can pair padme box with that really well yep i think you can pair kenobi with that okay yeah and i think i i, I one of the things i want to explore is is there a vader lumi option with padawans where you can yeah maybe sort of play a more control oriented vader yeah so those are the spaces that feel un under explored to me but The reality is that, I've said it before, I'll say it again, Galactic Republic is doing a whole lot of work to even get to a place of parity from what, like, Separatists just get to do for free. 100%. And because Separatists and also Vader Grievous and those other lists are much more positioned to play the more proactive game plan that Shatterpoint encourages you to play. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, Okay, so for me, I
0: ran Ahsoka Dooku. Mm Mm-hmm. Grievous, Maul were my cores. And so Ahsoka was that was my control list where I was running OB2 and Clan Crease. Dooku is Dooku Django Mm Magnas. Grievous, Kraken, B2s, Maul, Kalani, B1s. So ultimately, really, I just ran Separatist with Ahsoka. Right. (laughs) Right. And so the and the reason why I did that, I thought about running Mandos, but I so I played Mandos a lot when the game first came out, but then largely shelved them when it was apparent to me that my skill level, I was not gonna be able to get them to compete with SEPs. So I shelved them. And when I've tried to pick them back up, I just haven't quite figured how to make it work. Whereas SEPs are just extremely straightforward, right? In terms of what they're doing. It's a very high skill ceiling list in that Mm -hmm. good players can leverage all the tools they give you very well, and you will be rewarded for fine play. But it's also very clear what you're supposed to do if you just want a base game plan. The floor is low, right? Mm -hmm. Activate Kalani. Move everyone forward. Get everyone. You know, you're 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 kind of doing a similar coordinated fire thing, but it's very easy to do that because you've got all of this out of activation movement. Dooku is there to just be the most difficult figure to deal with. I mean, he is an extremely durable piece. His control is incredible. He's just so awesome. You know, you've got Grievous. And, Smacking people around, and yep. also his rainshot is super good, right? And then Maul, Maul is—it's wild to me that Maul, Maul is my third best primary in this list. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Grievous is better, but Maul is so good, yeah. right? He's so good. So I just ran this list, and the idea was that if I run into someone who's running Vader Grievous, I'm going to run Ahsoka dooku Otherwise, I'm just going to run some combination of Duku with other things, yeah. and that was literally what happened. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I played the Inquisitor Inquisitor Bounty Hunter list round one and i just it was i played maul grievous and the reason why i did that was because i thought two of his lists were republic and i was like oh if he's running clones i want to run kalani kraken and yep. just swarm the board yep. he ended up running um the inquisitors and uh, the bounty hunters but i still did the same thing just swarm right. the board and and what it was dal and i was playing what was happening was he was putting people forward in order to contest points and threaten maul because maul was i had put positioned him up but then I'm just, it's just bodies for the, you know, the, yep. the mill, right? So it was really strong. My second list was against Republic. And, I, and that was against Joe, who is awesome. I mean, he was using Mace, who was wounding things. But yep. ultimately, you know, I was just able to outswarm the board. Mm-hmm. And then our game was the last game, yep. right? Where I ran Ahsoka Dooku. And I was actually a little worried about that because Ahsoka struggles. I think she can struggle against these range lists. Yeah. Because you're not quite able, hurt what's the matter, too fast for you? is just a melee killer. You just can't attack her, right? Yeah. Like Reus is gonna come mm-hmm. up and he's gonna smack for eleven damage, of which he will take five. Right. Yeah. So so you can't so that was the idea, but really what I did is I used the, you know, what are the three of the best units in the game, mm-hmm. Dooku, Django, and yeah. Magnus, and just, you know, put them up in the scrum and let mm-hmm. Dooku kinda deal things.
1: Yeah, I mean a big part of what happened in that game was our activation cycling lined up so that our are, are squad's on the same side of the table activated. Yes. So, like, you got Dooku, Django, Magnus... Yep. ...kind of all right in a row. Yep. And I got Kenobi, Rex, Commandos. Yep. And I was really trying to swarm one side of the board... Yep. Uh, it's ...to deny you the option to really do much else. I think that the center... Uh, objective on that side never was flipped yeah. to either side in struggle one nope not at all and it was like I was trying to concentrate my forces but I was not able to bring more to bear there yeah. because of just how the activation cycling worked yeah and you didn't draw your arse to like
0: the very yeah end, right? and so it was like,
1: like a lot of those little break points just kind of slid away from me yep. and I wasn't able to build up a damage advantage and then it yeah. Yeah. It just kind of fell apart, like yeah. I said.
0: It's just interesting because, I mean, I, I, what I did was I just put Dooku forward with Magnus behind him. Yep. And then the idea was that both of these units, the Magnus were hunkered and behind cover. So so Dooku is out in the open, but and it's like, you can attack him, but he's got cover from the Magnus guards. Yep. And I've got enough force that I can just spend force, yeah. you know, in order to prevent you from, like, doing anything yeah. crazy. And so I was just really... Jango was also just oh Jango stupid like Like, Jango is he's he's moving all over the map he's pulling people off he's just wild right like they're just it's just so good so anyway I it was one of those things where Dooku there is a reason why everybody I think everyone that we talk with consistently rates those three units as you know some of the best in class Jango is the best in class Magna's are the best in class and there is a debate. I think with Dooku in terms of who's better, him or Vader, right? But they're different, right? Dooku
1: is that kind of inverse of what I was talking about, where like his activation does not feel super great. Yeah. But the impact that he has on the rest of the table, on the rest of the list, in terms of force econ, in terms yeah. of defensiveness, in terms of everything else, is just so, so strong. Yeah. And I think that why there's some discrepancies in how the community tends to rate him is that question of, oh, do I value a unit that can do things on its activation? Yeah. Or am I valuing what Dooku, like, what they're the global effect that they're providing for my entire list by just being there?
0: Yeah, because I mean, Dooku's, on his activation, he is moving the Magnas and then the other Magna is advancing towards him, right? And so, that, so he's, he he's doing a lot in terms of there's a lot of movement that's happening, especially early on in the game. But you know, he's not his damage isn't grievous okay. or Vader damage, but it's doing exactly what you need it to do. And again,
1: he is he he's cares a well with everybody.
0: We've talked about this where so when we played Mar wait, we played. we, we play Marvel Snap. And if for those of you who play Marvel Snap, there was a time when Arrow and leader were in and shang chi were like these cards that were just just absolutely meta defining and with every single deck i remember a content creator was talking about this it was KM best who said every single list becomes better with shang chi arrow and leader every single list becomes Mm -hmm. better and if if you've got something like that that tells you there's something wrong with those cards dooku is the case where it's like it might not be that every single list gets better but like sam played dooku padman he was like it's weird, but awesome. You know, yeah. they're not doing the same thing, and yet it still feels really good. So,
1: yeah, it's like I don't think that Dooku is the best pairing for everybody. No. But he's not a bad pairing for anybody. That's a great point. And that matters a lot in yeah. Premiere.
0: Yeah, especially for Premiere. So, this is something we're going to talk about.
1: I don't want to give this away, but
0: Dooku is just the preeminent Premiere piece, in my opinion. But first off, okay, so what we're going to do now it was a great tournament, it's a great event. And I've posted all of the results on Slack. So if you want, you know... It's on Longshanks. It's on Longshanks. You can analyze the data if you want. I mean, it was only, there was only 10 players, so it's not like there's a ton there. But, you know, there's interesting data. Okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to talk about having played this and, you know, with in light of the reps that we have had... Let's talk about building a premier list, starting with different approaches for building a premier list. Matt, take it
1: away. Yeah, so the first approach is the one that I took for this event, which is you build four flex flex squads, right? You're bringing four different squads, and conceivably you can pair any of them with any others of them, or you have options. Yeah. Right? So the big upside if you're taking this approach is like you just have premium access to tech, or adjust your list for matchups or terrain yep. or whatever. Oh, I have a squad that specializes in vertical terrain so yep. that if I have a weird terrain situation, I can deal with that. Yep. Oh, I have a squad that deals you know, better with this matchup or with that matchup. Yep. You have the option to really flex and to be less predictable when your opponent is trying to pick what they're going to bring to the table. Yeah. The downsides are, one... The, it's hard to get enough reps in to really gain that advantage. Great point. Right, there are so many, so many different slight permutations, and if you say, okay, how how does Mace Padme feel on the tables compared to Mace Kenobi as compared to Mace Malmando's? Mando's? Yes. What are what are the slight differences? Like you really have to know every single pairing very very well in order to get an advantage there, and. I kind of think it's hard for anybody to have enough experience with the game at this point because it's so new to be there. Great point. The other problem is that you end up kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel for synergistic things that go well together. Okay. Right? Like, you either end up just taking some good stuff units that don't have direct synergy, you know, Mandos, that are just going to do their own thing, solid, be there, wherever. Yep. Or you're kind of looking at your, like, B and C tier units within your keyword that you're building around to try to say, ooh... Maybe I take Lumi. Yeah. Maybe well, maybe I look at these other options to build my fourth squad. Yeah. And and ultimately where for me where that landed was I don't I, I think I'm going for the good stuff instead. Yeah. But th- it's a very interesting approach. If you want to play flexibly and unpredictab- un- unpredictably, it's a yeah. great way to go.
0: Yeah, uh, and this is the this is what was interesting is because in uh, in the tournament you had played all four of your lists by the t- by the third round, right? Exactly. So you had a lot of flexibility in terms of what you were picking, whereas I was locked into Ahsoka Dooku. who otherwise yeah. I
1: yeah, you hadn't played your Ahsoka squad yep. yet. Because so I looked for, at that and you. said, oh, I know he's going to play Ahsoka Dooku, yep. and then I can pick what I think has the best matchup into that. Yeah, he's just. You know, sol. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, four flex squads. That's one approach.
0: The second approach, which is the one I took, was I built around a core, and really I just built around Duku. So I had, so like this is so this is kind of like good stuff, which we'll talk about in a second. But really, what I was I was thinking, how can I run? Duku, Jango, and Magnus are the best in class, in my opinion with that being the case how can i run them in every conceivable game (laughs) right and that's what i did and so like my lists were built in order to do that even though ultimately i ended Mm -hmm. up not doing it, like that was the idea you have the you have this core idea so it's vader is i think kind of a core piece that you can build around dooku is this way some ways maybe grievous is this way Mm -hmm. but maybe i don't know that i'm not quite positive how that how that works and so so the idea is there you, you think I have one really strong list and then mm-hmm. these other three three lists are kind of those are your flex squads that you're you're teching around. And so to be honest, I think the reason it's it's a, it's similar to this four flex squads, it's just you have the best squad and yeah. then you have three flex squads, <laughs> right? And so I don't I, I don't know that, that how long term sustainable that strategy is, but I feel like right now with how how incredibly good at least Django and Magnus are, yeah. it just makes for a really solid approach. And so so we're I, I we I had this list called the well, one of our ideas was the good stuff list, but Matt brought up this thing about having two distinct lists and I think good stuff kind of flows into yeah. this, at least in a current format. So talk about that.
1: Matt. Yeah, I mean the third option is you have two different strike teams yes. that don't have any overlap. Yeah and you say, I'm gonna bring those, right? Yeah, I'm gonna play Vader Grievous and I'm gonna play Mace Patney or whatever. Yeah. Right. I think this is the most common approach actually and it is pretty effective. Yeah. Um the big upside is like you only have to learn matchups for two strike teams. Great you only point. have to learn how to play two strike teams. You have two lists. You know you're going to play one or the other. Also, you're not worried about cannibalizing synergy because they're not overlapping. Yep. Right? So you, you have picked these squads for that reason. Exactly. Right? The downsides are you're less flexible. Yeah. You don't you don't have the option to tech for matchups or terrain other than I pick one of my two lists. Yeah. And so that can potentially Put you into into some struggles. The other thing is that it's just more predictable across the table. Yeah. So depending on what round of the event that you're in, yeah. if you're getting into the last round and you know that your opponent has played their other list and they have the one list that they have not played yet, yeah. then you know exactly what you're up against and you can adjust your list to match
0: i also think that the the other thing that i think is a problem vulnerability with this is that i think if you if so round one i match up against someone whose four leaders are vader grievous and then mace padme yeah i know that they are going to be running vader grievous or mace padme right and so i'm thinking like which is my worst matchup Mm -hmm. and how can i play into that right and so
1: it just makes it you can be really vulnerable yeah You are playing a more predictable game plan, but you are probably playing a stronger baseline power game plan.
0: Yeah. And it's also... So in the current format, I think that... I want to talk about Vader Grievous in this way, because... So no one ran Vader Grievous at our tournament. Yep. I think mostly... Well, well, there's a few reasons Mm -hmm. why. But... I think Vader Grievous in this kind of I this format idea that we're talking about where you know you have Vader Grievous so Vader Grievous is let's let's talk about the best version of this list. Yep. Vader OB2 or uh, yeah, Vader OB2 Magnus. Yep. Grievous, Jango.
1: There's Duke. a flex spot. Yeah, there's your flex the spot. The most popular options are one of the two mando supports. Yes. or Fifth Brother. Yes.
0: Okay, so though that's your list, right? And then the idea is okay, you are running this extremely aggro, super strong, very durable list, right? And then you're mm-hmm. thinking like the, the the problem with that list is that it is taking <laughs> it is taking all of the best units, mm-hmm. right? Well, we we, yep. we, we think all the best units. You've got Django, you've got Magnus, you've got OB Two, you've got Vader, you've got Grievous. And so that's like, well now what do I do with these other two lists? And they're right?
1: positioned awkwardly to pair with other stuff. So yeah. you're cannibalizing a lot from separatists. Yes. And so it's hard to build a third squad that will yeah. pair well with Grievous because yeah. he maybe has a Mando in there yeah. or a fifth brother or something. Yeah. Similarly, if you've got OB two, yeah. that you can't take Obi one yeah, if you Republic. Yeah. And so that limits some of your options there.
0: Yeah, and, and, and the Magnas are running with Vader, and so if you don't have another separatist, you're we Magnus are S tier, they're amazing. Yes. But if you don't have a separatist leader, you will feel that in the early rounds when they're not able to get across the exactly. map, right? And so, yeah, it's, it's just, you can really feel that sting. And so the idea is that what you're doing is you're taking Mama T or you're taking Mace Padme, you're taking Mama T and Maul, right? And what we have not figured out and what we're going to be testing over the next few months is figuring out, is there like another list that can feel really good Mm -hmm. not taking Django, Magnus, OB2. Man, this is ridiculous. But, like, is there a list that can do that, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Or uh, is there a version of the Vader Grievous list that you can soften enough to add to some flexibility? Yeah.
0: So, like, the idea there was maybe is we take Vader, um, Rex, Arfs, and that gives you a ton of flexibility.
1: Yeah, yeah, with with a little bit less beat-down potential, but you can pair with Republic, you can pair with Separatists a little bit better. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So anyway, like it, it would actually be really interesting if I were playing against someone and their list were Vader with Rex, Ars. Let's see. I, well, I don't know. I mean like there, there's a lot of things that could happen and then they have Grievous, but then they've got other things in there where you're like, I'm not quite positive how my opponent is going to approach this list. Right. And so I don't know. I mean, the idea is that if Mama T with Vader that can get pretty spite like she can smack you know and (laughs) so like that's a really there's just a lot of interesting things to explore there so there's kind of these i think really these three ideas and this uh the fact having delineated them it doesn't sound that clever but the idea is you have four flex squads you have a core with kind of three flex squads and then you have two distinct squads i think are kind of the ways to think about approaching and really for me i think if we're talking about building a list i think that with shatterpoint you should find something that you are that you love running like yep. Matt loves running the Republic right and yep. so the four flex squad really works for you mm-hmm. I love running control I love Dooku and I love Ahsoka and so for me having Ahsoka Dooku you know mm-hmm. and then building mostly around Dooku makes sense you should if you want to play Vader mm-hmm. like you there are ways to do it you should find what you think works and then then the puzzle which is so fun is trying to figure out how to mm-hmm. optimize that right yeah
1: I mean coming out of the premiere event I do have some thoughts, you know, it's one event, still learning stuff. Yeah, of course. These are all super preliminary. In theory, adapting to be able to play in specific matchups sounds really, really great. Yes. In general, though, I kind of just found that I just wanted to play the list that I wanted to play. Yeah. You know... Three rounds. In the first round, I matched up against a premier squad against Steven, who had Vader in there. Yeah. And I was sort of like, great, he has Vader. Yeah. I'm going to run Maul and Padme, which yeah. is my anti-Vader tech. Yeah. And then the rest of the day, I just played Mace Kenobi. Yeah, right? there you go. So, as as fancy as the flex squad strategy sounds, I didn't actually implement it. Yeah. Some of that, I think, is just a play experience. You know, a year from now, two years from now, when I have dozens of reps with all these permutations, yeah. maybe that changes. Yeah. But kind of for now, I don't really think it's the best strategy. The other reason is that it is, like I said, it is hard to find four flex squads that are actually going to fit well together. Separatists literally can't even do it. Like, they will max out at three total squads and then just have a fourth that is matching with them somehow. Republic can do it, but there's a lot of bad units in Republic. (laughs) That's (laughs) right. And so, as we get more experience with the game, as we get keywords they get filled out a little bit more... You know, I expect us to see a bunch more Republic units coming out in the next couple of years. Yeah, and so as those things change, four flex list might become more plausible. Yeah. Similarly, I think as we see more units from different eras, if there is a really killer cross era pairing that is a good stuff list. Yeah. I, I think there is a potential option to. Do a thing where you have a good stuff list that's two str- two squads from different eras, yeah, and then you run for your other two squads synergies with those, yeah. And so as we as the unit pool bulks out, I think there's more opportunity there. But kind of right now, I think you really want to lean into either I have two lists that I like that I want to run, yeah, or I have a core squad and then I'm just going to pair it with different things every time,
0: yeah. So the, the I'm just thinking of this. I think the problem with Specifically, the Republic, besides the five hundred first, right, mm-hmm. and the lack of supporting units. Yeah. The, besides that, the problem is, is that it's really unclear what different primaries are bringing. That's re- that is different or better. So Obi One has this unbelievably strong ability where mm-hmm. your hunker tokens don't go away when you get engaged, and you're rolling extra dice, and you can spend them in order to dash and heal. So that's a really incredible ability, right? Mm-hmm. Lumi is also kind of trying to work with this defense durability game mm-hmm. you know attrition and it's just not clear that that's better than what obi-wan is doing right right mace is this extremely strong shatter pointing you know he's just doing a ton on his activation and we, we you know anakin is it's like what is anakin doing right, right. like where where does anakin go right mm-hmm. and so what does he do that he doesn't so now it's what's interesting is that when a figure like Plo comes out it's like Plo comes out now all of a sudden it's like Plo is doing something very different from what Mace Mm -hmm. and Obi are doing right he is this kind of control figure who is giving these distinct kind of benefits and now all of a sudden you can start seeing where it's like oh I'm running against Vader Grievous well I'm going to include Plo because his control is bananas right Right. and so that's a really cool idea Mm -hmm. okay so for me in terms of what we learned I think that so for one, I was running the three best units in the game. So yep. that is a huge asterisk in terms of like how things go. Um, but I think it is more important that you know the matchups than having a technically better list. And what I mean by that is I think it is better to know what your list is supposed to be doing and what your opponent's list is supposed yeah. to be doing. Having Django and Magnus does a ton to just help you win the game. Yeah. But it is the case that you need to be able to know what your opponent is trying to do so that you can leverage those things because dice is a factor. There's lots of factors mm-hmm. that can mm-hmm. kind of like work at your variant like work against you, right? So one of the things that we've talked about, are you the beatdown, right? And Matt brought up this really great point where, you know, there's a few ways to think about beatdown. This is a magic term. But the idea is that who is who is the aggressor, right, versus who is the person trying to slow down the game. And Matt brought up the fact that you've got beatdown as aggro, which is you're a rushing attrition, you're doing damage. First, beatdown as tempo, which is, this is so funny because I'm saying both of these things and separatists are great at both. Mm-hmm. Um, because the separatists, so beatdown as aggro is I'm going to smack you and I'm going to do a ton of damage and wound your units. Beatdown as tempo is, I'm going to spread the board. I'm going to be taking a lot of points. And it's going to be really tough for you to dislodge me. And Separatists are great at both.
1: To to clarify, I think that the Vader Grievous is kind of the premier beatdown as aggro. I'm going to rush on the points. I'm going to one-shot everything you bring to the table. And I'm going to get ahead on scoring by just winning the initial scrum. I think that the Separatist battle droid strategy is also a beatdown, but it's a scoring rush yeah, tempo where there's bringing a lot of bodies to the table sure. to outbody you on points, yep. and then their their attrition plan is a little bit more value oriented. Yeah, like they're trying to win on damage on the long term. Yeah. but also build up a scoring advantage in the short term. Yeah,
0: but they're not. Uh, so when what, what I say that they are still attrition, yeah. they are still doing just tons of damage.
1: Ab- absolutely,
0: Coloni is I think the. Yeah, I mean he is he is both the perfect as beatdown as tempo. Yeah. because all of your supporting units are moving up right within mm-hmm. range four. Colonia is like the best round one activation in the game, right? right. He's, everybody is pressing forward and there's immediately all this threat that's happening. Also, he is adding dice, right? So for your attacks. And yeah. so like, it, he, he, it's just really wild. So anyway, that's the question to ask. You bring your list, you see your opponent's list and you ask, are you the beatdown? Are you the one who's supposed to be Pressing up, going for tempo, going for attrition. Like, how should you be thinking about that? Because that's going to inform your play. If you're not the beat down, you should not be rushing the midline. Yep. Because all you're going to be doing is giving your opponent's bodies to score. Sorry, if you're not the beatdown as attrition, you should not be um, doing that. If you're the beatdown, if you're not the beatdown as tempo, but your opponent's like swarming with droids, you're going to have to get those guys off of points at some point, right? Exactly.
1: And I think that really what it comes down to is recognizing where you are positioned relative to your opponent informs your play. Yeah. Because... If you assess that incorrectly, yeah, you will just lose in the first struggle. Yeah, and I think that's something that we saw a lot, especially very early on, where it's like both players rush to the middle and fight. Yes, and it turns out one team is just better at doing that than the other. Great point. And so that team just wins. Yep. And I think that as we get more tools, we see some other stuff. As we become more capable of recognizing, yeah, different ways of approaching that. I think the Dooku Ahsoka list is a great example of. You know, that is still a list that wants to run to the center and stand on points, but it's approaching that differently. Yeah. It's approaching, It's I'm not trying to win on damage, I'm trying yeah. to win on displacement and positioning yeah. and doing those things. Yeah. So
0: this was something that was interesting about when I was playing Ahsoka Dooku. When I've played Ahsoka Dooku is, I am aggressively rushing the mid, but what who I'm aggressively rushing the mid with is Dooku and Ahsoka, right? Mm-hmm. And those are... They are. The question to ask is Can I win the attrition scrum in the midline? That's not necessarily by doing the most damage. That might be by soaking up the most resources of mm-hmm. your opponent, right? That's not really winning. Well, mean, one
1: way to win on attrition yeah. is to you cost your opponent more to deal damage to you than then they yes. are taxing you to deal damage to them yes so your damage matters more even if they're dealing more yes
0: that's exactly right right and so the thing about ahsoka dooku is that it is able to win these attrition scrums because its defensive abilities are so strong right and also again you've got dooku has got solid damage magna's who've got good damage and solid displacement jango who has literally everything right so Anyway, so you, you ask, can I win that attrition scrum? And then the other thing is to think about is, am I able to spread the board and withstand the withering? You know, if my opponent concentrates fire and I have spread out in order to take more points, can I handle the amount of damage that's incoming? And if you can, then, like, you're the beat down as tempo and spread the board, right? right? And, like, force your opponent to to answer those questions. But if... Uh, we, we've talked about this with Mandalorians. We having played a lot of Mandalorians then backed off, I think their problem that we had, that I had, was I overestimated their durability. Right. I thought I could spread with them in these in these little pockets. Oh, I've got mm-hmm. Bo and the Soups and I've got Clan Kreeze and Gar, you know, and they're they're going off and doing their thing and I thought, Oh, this they can withstand the heat. They couldn't, right? Right. And that was just something that you learn. Right. So
1: Yeah, I actually had a really as an example, my second round game in this event was up against Jared, who was running it was Grievous, Kalani, Magnus, Cad, Ara, B2s. Ooh. Um That is
0: actually... That's a scary amount yeah. of heat, right? And so
1: I ran Mace Kenobi. Okay. And, like, first thing he did, activation one, with Grievous was shoot up to the midline yeah. and make a range attack that one-shot my ARF troopers. Which, like, <laughs> fe- feels bad, man. But... Um, We have a player in our local community, Will, who loves to set up his terrain on tables to interfere with starting deployment. Yeah. And this was one of his tables. Yeah. And so what happened was my opponent deployed in such a way where he did not flip his backline objective. Oh, I see. Like, he was not able to deploy in such a way to contest everything. Yeah. And he kind of got the bad luck on the objective flop. Yeah, because how
0: how, Maul, how Will sets it up is you cannot control all three points, right? Yeah, you like, put
1: terrain kind of to interfere yes. with your starting yeah. deployment. Which is really cool. Which is right. fun, and, yeah. and it creates some difficult choices. Yeah. I like it because I play pawns a lot, and I just <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. That's exactly right. But, so what happened is I actually recognized, like, oh, I'm behind on tr- attrition here, Yeah, but I can play a tempo scoring game yeah. because I, ha- I have an extra point Great compared point. to my opponent. Yep. And so I was able to pressure... Yeah, in that way, and and win the first struggle.
0: Yeah, that is really that is a great point, right? It's recognition. You wouldn't think that was the case. You're like, oh man, I've really got a hole up now, right? Yeah, how am
1: I going to play tempo against separatists? Yeah, exactly. Right,
0: exact where they're running, Grievous, Kalani, Cad, Aura, B 2s and Magna. Yeah, Django was in there too. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's disgusting. Okay, so one other thing to think about this is just a point that we, we've we talked about, it's been referenced, we're not gonna go into too much detail on this, because we are gonna do another episode on terrain, I think, now that we've gotten more reps. But thinking about what the spread of terrain is doing for your list, I think is actually, that's a pretty core idea, right? And in terms of premier list building, is to think, am I able to handle varied terrain. What if people are bringing custom terrain that is not mm-hmm. like what we've typically seen? Or take cover, right? Which has a lot more low to the ground yep. that interferes with a lot of movement and approaches, yep. right? And so certain lists like Vader, Grievous, they're not super vertically mobile. And so that can matter a lot. Also, this is one thing we have been doing a lot, is when you are facing a melee aggro list, what you want to do is you want to be, you want your range units or your units contesting the point to not be on the level of the point, yes. right? Because then it forces these melee units. If they're going to do their thing, they're going to have to get up, right? Mm-hmm. And now they're no longer on that the 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 point, so they can be either easily replaced or dis well, not really displaced. Their displacement is the same,
1: but it's easier to swing the point,
0: right? Yeah. So you exactly. want to be thinking about that in terms of your list building.
1: Yeah, there can be a lot of really interesting elevation things that deal with objective control and shoves and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, CAD also. really great tool for this this happened in that same game that i was talking about in the second struggle there was an objective that was on one of those terrain that's the two level like gantry things from the core box yes and the size of those is such that if you have an objective right in the middle of it and you put a 40 millimeter base on it no one else can stand up there nope and so that like i had a turn where that was a priority objective and i was like cool um, I just pulled Rex. Yeah. Uh, Rex has two shoves. Yeah. And so Rex moved across the board and he shot Cad and rolled a bunch of dice. And I was like, awesome. I'm going to pin him and shove him twice. And then I'm going to be able to use my move action afterwards to claim the point. Yeah. And CAD rolled four expertise, and so he recovered the pin and then he jumped on his expertise tree (laughs) and just popped right back up there. CAD is a really, really great primary to just go it alone on high elevation and make it hard for people to contest.
0: Which is that's actually a really that's a really cool point about CAD. I was super impressed with his defense when I played against Mm -hmm. him. So
1: yeah, the other thing that's really, really interesting with Premier is that we talked a little bit about how limitations with squads can you know if, if you bring a tech list, one of the downsides is you're gonna have have to play it yeah and so if you don't run into the matchup with your tech list, what are you going to do the limitations of the squads really really depends on the length of the event great point. so we ran a three round event yep which meant that if you were running a two squad list you would generally run each of them once and then you'd get your choice of a third yep if you're running a core squad like you were yeah then you're like you're going to be locked into a squad during yep. the third round yep but if you're playing like an LVL or a convention event yeah. that's gonna be six rounds in a day, yeah. suddenly that limitation where you cannot avoid your dentist destiny, yeah. you must play every single squad, like you can be a lot more loosey goosey with how or attack more aggressively because that's you only have to run into that matchup once in yeah. order for it to be the right choice, and then you can just play other stuff the rest of the day.
0: Yeah, it's like you've got your one list. That you have got with your Republican order mm-hmm. to adjust a specific threat. And then you're just running base yeah. Obi, Right.
1: So the fewer rounds in the event, I think the more general strength and general synergy you have to have across your squads. Yeah. I think the longer an event goes, like, I think it's very feasible if you're doing a six-hour round event. You might have a core list. Yeah. And then two really niche tech picks. Yeah. For matchups that you expect to run into.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great point. So, anyway, we are at an hour. But this has been... For me, this is something that Matt and I really wanted to process and like talk yeah. through. Have, we were the ones who were at the premiere event from Scott and JK weren't there. Sam, I think, has been trying to run some premiere events. But he's in law school, and it's just really hard to yeah. do stuff. And so That's
1: something that's worth calling out. I think that part of the absence of Vader Grievous at this event was like I, it was a much more casual crowd. We had 10 people, which yeah. was great. Yeah. Uh, there were three of us from our local scene that, that we play with a lot, you yep. and I and Will. Yep. Um, we had some other people that were a little bit more dedicated players traveling in from further away yeah which was great yeah and then we had some casual players yeah and you similarly i think this event that we have coming up on november 11th yeah. is a kid's birthday party yeah right yeah. yeah so like there can be a pretty wide mix of experience at these events too and that was super great to see yeah uh, one of the things that we talked about was don't be a jerk yeah. right like if If you're a hardcore tournament grinder, and you come up against somebody who's a casual player, be nice. Yeah. Have fun. Make sure they have fun. Yeah. Like, you're going to win. Don't sweat the win. Yeah. And do whatever you can. Be generous with your opponent. Like, build the community. Yeah.
0: I mean, this is something we've... Yeah, we could talk about this for so long. But here's the thing. We played IA very competitively. Yep. And then, I mean, you know, we weren't crazy about it, but, like, played it... We
1: we were pretty crazy. We were
0: pretty crazy. Like, we played a lot of it, and we were very competitive, right? And so... So, I know what that's like, right? We played Destiny where it wasn't quite as competitive, but we were into it, right? And we really, I mean, Destiny was the game. Like, we, IA, we were playing as a community thing and because we loved the game. Mm-hmm. Destiny, we were there to play the game, yeah. right? And so, yeah. I know what it is like to want to just grind and like mm-hmm. play these competitive games. Chatterpoint is just not quite there though, right? Yeah. It's not like there in terms of, it's not that kind of a game, right?
1: I mean, I think it can be. I, I, I do think that, so there, there are some tournament grinders, and one of the things that happens is that really hardcore players like consistency. Yes. And Shatterpoint is a game that specifically spits in your eye about consistency. That's exactly right. And it's testing a different kind of a skill. Yeah. That's not to say it isn't skill testing. Yeah. It is still there's a lot to benefit from. There's a there's a lot of skill to develop in the game. Yeah. But I think you exemplified this well. We had a, a member of our community who came out to play. Yeah. And he post in the slack like hey guys i've played less than 10 games yeah uh please be patient with me as i'm yeah. learning the game and you immediately responded like your opponents are going to be happy to get games in and yeah. play them or we're going to melt their minis down for scratch exactly right. right like that is the attitude we have to have if we're building community yeah is be kind be generous
0: yeah
1: have fun everyone make sure should that feel people welcome. are having fun even yep. if you're beating them yep you know everyone everyone
0: should feel welcome right i mean exactly. it's just because the thing is is again you know what, I, although I do want to talk about that randomness point. that Because yeah. that's from Richard Garfield, right? The the thing of skill versus... Um, yeah. So We Matt, talked about that in a previous episode. So we have talked about it in that previous episode. Matt has talked about this a lot yeah. over, you know, the, the eight, eight years that we've all been playing games or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not that long. We've been playing games together for six years. But... Richard Garfield has this thing where people they think that the spectrum is from skill to luck right and that the luckier something is the less skill testing it is and that's just not the case and you brought up in the episode Mm -hmm. you talked about poker it is a high luck high skill game exactly and so Shatterpoint the reason why I say it's not that kind of a game is because it's just not quite there in terms of I think in its development life right it's brand new it's brand new game and so what we are really trying to do is we want people to feel welcome, to come out to events, to feel like they belong, right? We want people to love playing games with us. It's Star Wars, right? It's supposed <laughs> to be this expansive universe yeah. that people who are not into miniatures games can enjoy playing Ahsoka and Anakin, right? Yep. And so I mean, that's not to say you shouldn't try and win games and everything like that, but when you're approaching these events, if you're a community builder, you should be mm-hmm. thinking, like, how do I get more players, and how do I get them to want mm-hmm. to stay,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah, my contention is that you can be a hyper-competitive, I-am-doing-everything-I-possibly-can-to-try-to-optimize-to-win-games kind of a player Yeah. and do it with generosity totally. and grace and yep. being welcoming to people. Yep. Like, in large part because if you are that kind of player... You don't want to win yeah. by by browbeating your opponent into making mistakes. Yeah, you don't want to gotcha. Yeah, you don't want to gotcha people. You you want to win fair games because that is an actual demonstration of your skill.
0: Great point. That is an excellent. I mean, that is actually a really yeah. excellent
1: point. And so, if like I, if somebody forgets a trigger, yeah, sometimes it can be like okay, it's too far gone. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, but for the most part, whenever you look to be generous, yeah, like you. If you're wanting to learn about the game, if you're wanting to perfect your skill with the game, if you're wanting to be good, you want your opponents to be playing as optimally as they possibly can. And
0: that's an excellent point, right? And that is an excellent and point.
1: And so, you, like, help them.
0: Yeah. that's a good. I mean, I, I love that. And then, so, X-Wing, when I played X-Wing 1.0, they had this thing where they talked about you fly casual. I don't know yeah. who came up with it. It was an excellent mantra, though. Mm-hmm. Because X-Wing, I think, was one of those games... I don't think it's this way anymore. But it was absolutely one of those games where there were... It was the most competitive game I have ever played, Mm -hmm. right? People were, we were having store championships where 50, 60 people were showing up, right? And from out of town, it was just this, I mean, it was incredible. It's incredible to be a part of and incredible to play, but there was a lot of temptations, I think, to be an extremely, I don't know what the word is, not welcoming player, right? And so whoever came up with the fly casual thing and Mm -hmm. making that stick, I think does a lot in order to encourage new players entering and staying in the game. If you have new people Mm -hmm. who show up and they lose terribly and you make them feel bad, they're not going to come back. And that's the worst thing, right?
1: Magic is also a great example to look at because it is one of, if not the biggest games out there. Yep. like More people play Magic than play every single miniature game. Yeah, absolutely. Right, put together. Absolutely. And for a long time the emphasis for magic was on the pro scene. Yeah. You know, we're playing constructed standard, like right? like we're grinding those games. That was the focus. Yeah, And in the last five or six years, yep. there has been this really, really strong pivot away from that. Yeah. Right? Most people are playing casual Friday Night Magic. Yep. The most popular format is Commander. Yeah. Which is a crazy like singleton. Giant deck casino fiasco every (laughs) single time, you know, with like king making and like it is not like it is a weird format that it does not appeal to really hardcore competitive players. Yeah, but it is the most popular format in the game right now. Yeah, it is the mo. It is bringing new players. It is the lifeblood of that game. One hundred percent. And we really, really, Shatterpoint is never going to be as big as Magic. No, and we really have to approach everything that we do from. How do we bring people in and just make sure they have a good time? Yeah,
0: agree. Anyway, all right. Well, we went over an hour because we had to talk for seven minutes about being nice to people. So be nice to people. Um, that's it. It was a, this is a really good episode. Have fun. We would love to hear your thoughts in terms of building and running premier mm-hmm. lists. As we get more events under our belts, it will be really interesting to see what approaches work, mm-hmm. especially as more units are getting released and we feel like we can, oh, it looks like you can run Vader Gravis with this really yep. solid second option. So anyway, Talk to us on the Slack, let us know what you think. We would we'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear feedback. This is another thing. Man, I really don't want to go down another tangent. But what we would really like to do is because AMG seems to have such a hands-off approach with regard to organized play, mm-hmm. we are I mean, we're not going to be running an organized play circuit. But what we do want to do is talk about what it is that we as a community can do in order to grow local communities. What kind of, you know, prize support can we offer? What kind of games can we have and on what kind of a schedule so these are just things we want to talk about things we want to think about Mm -hmm. and if you've got thoughts join us on the slack and tell us about it all right we love you all have a good day